Hi, this is John, by the way, and today I'm looking at the New Testament Come Follow Me curriculum. The lesson for January 30th through February 5th is Matthew 4 and Luke 4 and 5. Matthew 4 has the story of Jesus going into the wilderness and being tempted, which is covered beautifully in the manual. Also, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland gave a talk called The Inconvenient Messiah, which you can find on speeches.byu.edu, where he goes through what happened to him, to the Savior, and how he used scriptures to answer temptations. And this has been been well covered. Luke chapter 4 and 5, there's, to me, a really wonderful story in Luke of when Jesus goes back home. Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist, Zacharias. Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. Luke chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus, but Luke chapter 4 is when Jesus goes back home. And the part I love about this story is the verse of scripture that Jesus chooses to use as he announces his ministry. And I like to ask my classes, if you had to choose an Old Testament verse to describe the Savior's ministry, what verse would you choose? And that's kind of a hard question, but we don't really have to work very hard because Jesus chose the verse. Now, I've read different commentaries about whether he requested a certain scroll in the synagogue or whether a scroll was just handed to him with no choice on Jesus's part. I suspect he was so well-versed in the, uh, the scriptures, the Torah at the time, that he could have, and the prophets, that he could have chosen he could have found a verse wherever he looked, but the one that he read, the one that is recorded, is from Isaiah chapter 61. So, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, this is the verse the Savior, the Savior stood up and read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it to again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So not only did he read a beautiful prophecy, but then he just told them, this is talking about me. When we look back at verse 18, or Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. And of course, anointed one means he's the anointed one, he's Christ, to preach the gospel to the poor, physically poor, poor in spirit. We see both of that happening. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, healing, spiritually brokenhearted. I don't think that means a physically broken heart. Probably means emotionally, spiritually brokenhearted. I've come to heal hearts and preach deliverance to the captives. Jesus is a deliverer just as Moses was. And recovering of sight to the blind. Is this spiritually blind? Is this physically blind? Well, Jesus did both. To set at liberty them that are bruised. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's, it's a great verse, and for him to choose that verse 
out of, I don't know how many options he had, if he just chose what was in the scroll they handed him, or if he chose the scroll again, I don't know. But what a great verse to summarize is service. And then this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Well, they rose up, thrust him out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill, that they might cast him down headlong. So they wanted to toss him for blasphemy when he said, this is, this is me. But I love, I love the description there of what he announced, and it tells us that Jesus emphasized his role not just as a judge or a lawgiver, but as a healer, as one who would heal broken hearts and recover sight to the blind, who would focus on the poor, poor in spirit, maybe poor in things as well. So we've always loved Luke 4, 18, that testament that he made. And I don't know exactly why, but the uh, official Come Follow Me manual doesn't mention the story of the paralytic. It says Luke chapter 5, but it doesn't uh, draw it out. And it's one of my favorite stories, and it does appear in the other Gospels as well. But I actually wrote an article for the New Era magazine in February of 2011 about this story in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 18. Men brought in a bed a man which was taken with the palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him, before Jesus. But, of course, the problem was the place was was packed. They couldn't get in anywhere. And I, I wish somehow we had a record of the conversation among these men. What should we do? Well, let's go on top of the building. I mean, they could have said, well, let's just give up. We'll just have to come back another time. Let's go on top of the building, make an opening in the roof, whatever kind of roof, whatever kind of structure that was, I don't know. It uses the word tiling. Make a hole in the tiling of the roof and lower him to the floor. It would have been so fun to hear this conversation. And then you can imagine the friend saying, you're going to do what? Because apparently he was conscious because Jesus talked to him. Anyway, the story continues. They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he, Jesus, saw their faith, this is what I like about this. Not just the friend, or not just the, uh, the paralytic, the man who had some sort of palsy or paralysis, but the friends, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, the friend, or the paralytic, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And, of course, the scribes and Pharisees thought that was blasphemous. Um, who has power to forgive sins except God alone? So Jesus says this great line, Whether is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, which is unverifiable to an audience, which is invisible, or to say, rise up and walk, which would be very visible and a spectacle, spectacular, we might say. And then this very important line, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, so that you can know I can do things in the invisible world, if I were to try to rephrase that. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. 
Now, for some reason, I don't know why the manual, it mentions Luke 5 in the title, but it doesn't go through the story. Maybe they're going to cover it later, but I like this story for lots of reasons. And one of them that I feel, that, uh, ways to apply this story is it kind of a, a friendship story. Um, you could put yourself in the place of the sick man, say that you are weak, maybe not physically, but spiritually, and then ask the question, where will my friends take me if I find myself in such a place? What kind of friends have I surrounded myself with? Maybe there's a, a party or a movie or another activity, and if you have little say in the, manner, in the matter, where will your friends take you? So the story teaches us a powerful lesson. There may come a day when you are not as strong as you should be. And at that point, your choice of friends will be critical because we generally go where our friends are going. The great advice, a great way to apply this story, choose friends who will take you to Christ. To have friends that will always take you to higher ground is an amazing blessing because you may have a time when you are weak. What if you surrounded yourself with friends that are always taking you into bad places and you are always the one trying to persuade them to do something better? Then what happens when you're weak? You would probably just go along with what they were suggesting. And that's where problems begin. There is a, an author and a, a teacher, kind of a business guru named Jim Rohn kind of a Stephen R. Covey type of teacher, a Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. And in one of his books or talks, I jotted this down, he talked about, he called it the law of association. Now, this isn't a scripture or anything, but I think there's some truth in here. He said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Now, that alone is an interesting thought, and he uh, talks about the science of it. If you, if you um, take the five persons someone spends the most time with, find out what their favorite movies are, even what their ACT score is, things like that, you'll get pretty close to predicting what you are like because they are your associates. And this is what Jim Rohn continued. Take a, take a look. This is what Jim Rohn said as he continued. Take a look at the time you spend with your associates. Then think about these things. What have they got you doing? It's particularly such a good lesson for youth. There are things that you, have, you are doing that maybe you would not have done except your friends were doing it, right? What have they got you doing? What have they got you listening to? Has their music influenced you? What have they got you reading? What have they, where have they got you going? What have they got you thinking? How have they got you talking? And how have they got you feeling? And is all of that okay with you? Is that where you want to be going? Is that where you want to be doing and listening to and reading and thinking and talking about and feeling? It's a great question because generally speaking, you're going where your friends are going. And that's why I love this story. This man, this paralytic, and these friends that are heroes in this story who are unnamed took him to the Savior. He had good friends, didn't he? And they took him to Christ. Another way to look at this story is to be that kind of friend. But certainly it's the Savior is the one who healed and, and forgave the man. 
But the friends loved their paralytic friend and wanted to help him. They didn't give up and go home when things are difficult. And imagine the joy they must have felt when they looked down through the ceiling and saw their friend get up and pick up his bed and walk, which is another lesson. Be the kind of friend who takes people to Christ. They were courageous. They were persistent. They were creative. They had to figure out a way to get him in front of the Savior. And we can be that way in our every word, every action, every choice. We can try to lead people to Christ who can heal us not only physically, but also spiritually. To me, that's a great lesson, and I might not be here talking to you right now through this recording had uh, my father not surrounded himself with good friends. They all joined the Navy together on the same day in 1944, and when my dad was on an aircraft carrier in World War II, and they heard the announcement over the public address, Mormon Mormon church services in the library. My dad said there were only about 10 or 15 of us um, on a carrier with a few thousand, I guess. My dad went with him. They took him. In fact, he said in his autobiography, they dragged him, often cruelly, they dragged him to go to meetings. He had surrounded himself with friends who would take him to Christ and who were persistent and even creative. (laughs) And they took him there. And when my dad got home from the war, he decided I need to find and and date some LDS girls. And one of those was, was my mother. So it turned out he was baptized and then later married my mom. After he was married, got called to serve a mission, which he did in New England, came home. They had six kids. I'm number five. If you've heard me, you've probably heard me tell this story, so I apologize. But to me, it's a beautiful parallel with this story in Luke 5. Surround yourself with friends who will take you to Christ and be the kind of friend who will take others to Christ. And you never know where that power and that that influence can end. And that's what happened here with this paralytic. That ye may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins which is invisible, let me show you something on the outside. And he healed him physically as well. He was sent to, as Luke 4 says, heal the brokenhearted. Heal us from our sins. And even as he did so much in the scriptures, heal them from their physical maladies as well. All those things signifying that he was more than just another moral teacher, but he had great power. He had the power of creation and the power to fix things that were created and that had fallen. Well, thank you for joining me, and we will talk to you next time as we continue.